I'm Ira Joy, and welcome to On Courage, a podcast that explores a fundamental virtue for each one of us, no matter our backgrounds, experiences, and perspectives. After a career setback, I wrestled deeply with self-doubt and fear, eventually realizing that in order to rebuild my confidence, I had to start by rediscovering my courage. I've been reading books and listening to experts, but I figured I needed to be surrounding myself with courageous people too. And that's why I'm here with you as you listen today, hopefully on board my mission to learn from creative people who have harnessed the power of courage to find success in their careers and fulfillment in their lives. This is a podcast on courage for all those who, like me, long to grow a little more courageous each and every day. Today's guest is Sophie Brabenek, an actor, artist, entrepreneur and all-round creative soul. I had the pleasure of meeting Sophie 17 years ago when we worked on a short film together. It was so great to reconnect with her after all these years and get to know her on a deeper level. She has so many interesting insights and wonderful stories about her experiences pursuing the creative path. We talk a lot about fear and failure, self-doubt, confidence, and of course, everything it takes to live a bold, creative life. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to the On Courage podcast. Thank you. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate you being here with us to have this conversation. We might kick off by um, learning a a little bit about you. If you could please introduce yourself, um, who you are and what you do. Uh, My name is Sophie Brabenek. I live in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, I met you because you cast me in uh, a student film, I reckon, about 17 years ago. Is, it, is that about right? <laughs> Probably. That sounds about right. A, while, yeah, a lifetime a while ago. ago. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's where we connected first. And all this time has elapsed and, and we have now reconnected um, through LinkedIn. And uh, here we are. And in the course of that time I have gone off and pursued a professional acting career. Um, I uh, have lived overseas for, gosh, uh, about 13 of those years between London and LA, um, developing that acting career and getting rungs on the board and having all sorts of wild adventures. Uh, And then um, when the 2020 pandemic hit, I made a very swift decision to pack up my life in Los Angeles and move home to uh, Melbourne and relocate where I've been for the last three years. And we went into these rolling lockdowns and I wasn't quite sure what to do with myself. And, you know, I'd been away from home a really long time, um, I was kind of trying to find my feet. I just moved into this apartment on my own. I was feeling pretty lonely, pretty uh, lost in the world. And um, to kind of cut a few beats uh, out of the story, I 
discovered an opportunity to get on board with this social enterprise called Renew Australia. And they were all about opening um, or, or giving artists or startup businesses an opportunity to fill empty shop spaces and kind of roll out an idea and um, give young entrepreneurs, artists an opportunity to kind of flex their ideas and uh, do that with low overheads. And so when I'd been in LA and acting and pursuing this creative path, for me, more often than not, I always had to have a side hustle or three side hustles. You know, I was working all sorts of jobs. And one of those side hustles was a plant business that I'd developed in the last like year or so of being in LA indoor plants and um, these kind of mounted hanging plants that you have on your wall, plants that can live on wood and grow and evolve. And so when we're in lockdown, lots of people were getting into indoor plants because everyone was living indoors. And I was here kind of scratching at the walls thinking, what can I do with myself? And I started up this plant business. I was kind of slinging plants like bootlegging plants out of my, um, you know, lounge room and or you know from my porch and trying to be you know super COVID safe and putting up like little makeshifty uh signs on poles like where I knew people were walking because everyone was walking because we were like you know in this 5k ring of steel you know that we could go out and exercise for two hours a day or whatever the limits were um and then I found this opportunity to open a shop and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a a go and I put my proposal in and um, one thing led to another. So for the last two years, um, I uh, have run an indoor plant shop in St Kilda, which is an area that I've kind of grown up in. I've, I've done this like big full circle and come back to my roots. I've had the most amazing experience doing that. I met a wonderful man who was opening a shop at the same time, a clothing business um, under the Renew Australia banner as well, five doors up from me. We fell in love and uh, now <laughs> we're uh, pregnant and, <laughs> you know, potentially days, hours, weeks away from having our first child. Um, so that's kind of been my accelerated journey since I met you, but I'm a yeah, creative and uh, I suppose an entrepreneur, um, which feels wild saying that, but I have that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, I'm a bit of a hustler, um, a bit of a joker, a definite explorer and a curious cat and soon to be first time mum. Amazing. I love it. Thank you for the sort of rundown on the last 17 yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, I think the common, you know, common thread through all of that is your, yeah, as you said before, your creativity, even down to creating a new human, which is so, so amazing. And I, I, I think that it's interesting that, you know, we haven't reconnected for, you know, quite some time, but I, I just, I, I can feel that that's just everything you've done, you know, over those last 17 years is how I remember, you know, it, it reflects how I remember you to be just someone so full of life, a go-getter with a creative spirit. So I'm, I'm interested to dig deeper and get to know you on a level that I, I guess uh, we didn't really get to know each other back then because, you know, I was at uni and it was a very quick uh, project that we worked on. Um, but if I can take you back a little before that time, um, 
maybe to your childhood or even adolescence. Were there any significant moments or experiences that first ignited your passion for what you do now or even for, you know, whether it's your acting career or entrepreneurship, were there any little things that were hinting that, that this was a possible pathway for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I'm an only child, so I think I spent a lot of time on my own kind of playing with myself in the garden, imagining that, you know, like kind of like role playing, as I think all all kids do, you know, in um, in different ways and just kind of being on my own and and exploring my um creativity i i definitely have always loved imagination play imagining that i'm in different worlds uh as a really young kid i loved to create kind of mixtapes i had a keyboard and this little sunroom in our apartment that i used to go out to and you know talk into a little bit like I was a radio host and kind of jam out a little bit on my keyboard. And I was primarily raised by my mum and my grandmother who were uh, super theatrical. My mum was actually an actress when I was younger. She trained at the same um, drama school as me, but maybe like 30 years prior. And my my grandmother was also quite theatrical and and creative. She um, was a writer and a poet. So I grew up with these two women that really encouraged uh, a love of the arts and nature and beauty and expression. I have really fond memories of um, reading poetry with my grandma, kind of sitting on her lap and reading these classics um, and then getting up and doing little recitals that, are such warm memories, you know, they're, they're such beautiful moments. So these intimate moments between us that she really reveled in that kind of, you know, was an extension of her to me. Um, my mum went on these epic overseas adventures at a young age um, and, and all through the course of her life. So I've kind of had her... Um, stories and her ability to storytell in a really uh, beautiful and descriptive manner infiltrate, you know, my life. So I think all of these things were really strong influences. And I just think back as well. So in terms of like acting, I feel like I've always done performance. It's probably something that's always been encouraged it's kind of just something that I have done or dabbled with, you know, whether that's writing in journals, which, you know, a journaling practice is something I've done since I reckon I was probably 10 years of age um, and still carry on to this day. Um, And uh, music and, and poetry and all these things I just feel good, you know, so I've just kind of done them. Um, And in uh, school, I did some outside speech and drama classes. And I just have this 
amazing memory that's just one of those things that stick out where I was in the speech and drama exam and it was an imagination exercise where I had to it was just me and and the examiner who was my drama teacher Sue Saxon who was an absolute legend this lady and I, I, I couldn't tell you anything else about speech and drama but I remember I did this imagination improvised exercise where I had a wooden treasure chest and I opened it and it was full of bubbles and each bubble was an object that I was describing and I was so committed to this performance or this imagination exercise that it was like I enchanted myself I I put myself in such a place (laughs) of absolute magic and like belief that I was seeing these things so vividly that it almost brings tears to my eyes it was just it was the ultimate kind of like I don't know like higher level experience and I think about improvised games that we would play in drama class of like, um, you know, one person would get into the centre and they'd be like, what are you doing? You're brushing your teeth. And and then the next person would come in and have to act out brushing your teeth. And then the next person say, what are you doing, Sam? Skiing. And the next person have to say skiing. I love, I could have played those games till the cows <laughs> came home. And even in later life, I found when I lived in LA, a really um, strong and amazing community in the improv comedy world. And, and so in my last kind of four or five years in LA, I was, I was always doing improv as much as I could. And we would play those kinds of games, you know, to warm you up and to connect as an ensemble and stuff. And so I think all these things just like have stuck with me and, and that have kind of sparked the fire or the joy or the inspiration in me. And so they have kind of led me to being an actor they've led me to wanting to travel overseas they've led me to wanting to share stories whether that's you know right now with you or uh, through creating blogs or whatever it is it's so beautiful to to hear that you had such a supportive foundation to um be creative to be free to feel the freedom to be creative and i i think you know i, I feel that resonates with me as well. I'm so grateful to my parents for allowing me to to do that as well. Um, I, I remember writing poetry and little drawings and scribbles growing up and music was always a big part of my life. So I, I relate to that. Um, did you sense at all uh, when you were growing up, going to school, that you were different in that way? Or did you have friends that were very much in, in similar path in terms of um, being free to to feel creative did you ever recognize that maybe you were a bit different in terms of creativity no I like it sometimes I felt different for for other reasons like I didn't grow up with my dad or like being an only child in a family um where my mum's got there's six siblings she's one of six and I have a whole bunch of cousins that I'm super close to and sometimes I'd feel different because everyone else had brothers and sisters and I didn't. But in terms of creativity, I think my family probably as a result of my grandmother's, you know, direction Mm. and the vibrant, theatrical, colourful, expressive woman that she was, there was a lot of creativity in our Mm. family. I 
yeah, I grew up kind of dancing in the lounge room with my cousins and putting on little performances. Um, and somehow in my mind, I'm like, oh, didn't everybody do that? But yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, it's probably, as you said, it's it really shaped you and influenced kind of um, where you, you, you took your, I suppose, career because you were so encouraged to 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 do it and to and, and to not have the fear around it because I grew up with some uh, young people that all oh, my, my classmates for example that um, were kind of steered in the direction of more traditional careers that they weren't mm-hmm. even allowed to uh, you know um, apply to do a, a media course or a drama course because their parents wanted them to to get a stable job so it's amazing that you know um, that has a big oh. impact on how you navigate your life. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful that you to hear that you um, were given that encouragement growing up and that eventually led you to pursue a career in LA, which I'm so excited to, to hear about because that happened after we worked together. <laughs> yeah. So where, how did that come about? And do you have memories of how you felt when you first moved there? Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember like, yeah, like yesterday. I mean, it, I really struggled to know what I wanted to do. It wasn't a, it wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm going to be an actor when I grow up. Again, it was just, it was just something that I did. It was just fun. It was just play. It was just, um, it was just kind of a part of what happened at school and I ended up at kind of an alternative high school. I changed high schools a few times. Um, I had a pretty kind of turbulent um, teenage life and, you know, went a little bit off the rails, ended up at this, um, yeah, amazing alternative school that really uh, they fostered um freedom and expression and it was um I'd come from being in a private school system that was to me felt very stifling and then I ended up at a college that was all sorts of characters that treated you like you were at college there weren't bells that rang to tell you when class came in there was a lot of responsibility on your head which I really liked but they also had a very strong drama program um and so I kind of did it there and then I went to uni not really knowing what I wanted to do and took theatre and drama there and just kind of did it. And then I got to a point where I was like, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't have a, a direction with this arts humanities course that I was doing. One of my best friends had moved overseas and I thought I'm going to go to the UK and, um, you know, take advantage of this Australian work visa and go try and have some of these adventures that my mum's kind of, you know, raised me on and, you know, see, see what happens. So I did that and took the, you know, that felt like a a leap of faith. I think I was all of 18. Um, I remember my first day getting off the tube in London and hearing Jamaican accents in (laughs) Kilburn, this Northern suburb and, that was, excuse me, kind of like my entryway into this new magical world. And I had all sorts of amazing travels and adventures and worked all sorts of jobs and just, you know, was living life there. And then I ended up on the island of Malta 
which is in the Mediterranean, if people are not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And I went there primarily because my mum had never been there and mum's been to lots of places and she was like, it's a place that I'd love to go. And there's a whole story that would, you know, be like a half hour unravelling. But the long story short is that at the time the film Gladiator was being made, um, Ridley Scott's Gladiator yeah. film, and I heard about it and I was kind of running out of money and um, and someone said to me, they're looking for extras on the film. And I was like, well, cool. I didn't know what Gladiator was. I didn't know who Ridley Scott was. I think I thought it was like that, like that action reality show, you know, where they're like gladiators and oh beating each other head. From the 90s, Obstacle courses. <laughs> yes, I was like, I'll, just, I'll go down and get a piece of this, like whatever. And, oh, man, I, I mean, there's so much I could say about this, but, and I look back to this person who, because I had it seems like no fear and a gift of the gab, but I walked in and, and, you know, asked for extra work. They kind of said, fill this form in, come back. I didn't hear from them. I went back down and I was like, listen, like I'm running out of money type thing. Like you either need to, you know, give me a job or I got to bounce type thing. And on this second trip down to the studio kind of lot in Malta, I befriended the security guard on the gate who was this girl who was about the same age as me and she had a caravan at the front. She kind of said, do you want to come in for a coffee? And then I was sitting there chatting with her and she'd also lived in London and she was Maltese. Her family had relocated back to Malta so we were vibing and whatever. And this guy came in, production had started, and he came in with a security list of um like all the people that were going to be going in and out from production the next day. And I don't know exactly what I said, but I stood up and said, I'm Sophie Brabanek. I'm an Australian traveler. I've just got work as an extra, but I'm looking for more work. Um, So I don't know if you're looking for people, but uh, you know, I'm here and I'm available. And he said, we're looking for people to work in wardrobe or there could be, you know, something here. Like if you had any experience and I was like, Oh yeah, I've, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't know, referencing like some year 12 production I worked on or like whatever I was pulling out of my hat. And I ended up getting a job working on Gladiator for maybe about six weeks. And I have to show you, Ira, hang on, because it's just here because I've been sorting through all this stuff. I've actually got photographs and an article because I sold my story to Woman's Day. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. And I found the article. Look. Worshipping at crow's that, feet. Oh. And then look at these. These are my photographs from working on Gladiator. Wow. That is a like story a whole... <laughs> for the history books. Yeah, that's me that's... in the wardrobe department. That is so cool. So I worked on I worked on Gladiator um, on, the, on the final scenes, like the big arena scenes. It was out of this world. I, I had ended up staying in like this abandoned nursing home. It's going to sound wackadoodle, but <laughs> I met some people and I'm staying in this abandoned nursing home that's this huge, like, complex that's got two wings and in the middle is a massive theatre with a huge stage and the doors were these massive wooden doors that I'd get to. And I was staying there free and then 
the couple that I'd met, there was another couple that was living on the other side of the building, but it was, it was very scary, this place. It, and it had broken windows and stray cats and there might have been a gas stove that worked downstairs. There was no shower. There was a faucet that ran out the side of the wall with cold water. And I tell you all of this because my calls to work on the film were like 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. starts. Mm. And so I was having no sleep. I was getting up in the middle of the night. I don't think there was electricity or maybe there was, but I was having this cold shower under this faucet and then getting ready to be picked up to go to set. And I had never been so excited in my life to go to work. And that's when I had this realisation, if you're doing something that really lights you up, mm. then it it doesn't feel like work. It's not whether you're under a cold shower or getting up in the middle of the night or had the worst night's sleep. I, I was pumped. Like I was so jazzed and so energised and I had this extraordinary experience working on this huge scale production until there were a number of kind of calamities that happened with the film that drew production to um uh to 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 slow down um one of which was that Oliver Reed one of the main cast died so um while they were shooting um so that was my point when I moved on but um this was kind of I think one of the big turning points in my life where I thought I would love to try and work in this world. Mm. Uh, and when I came back to Melbourne, uh, I worked on some student films and I worked on some commercials and I was working in production and wardrobe and unit managing and kind of, you know, stuff behind the scenes. And then I remember I was working on um, this one student film and, the the lead actress was getting direction and um and I remember just thinking just give me a go like yeah. I, like I, I I know what to do like I you just just try this you know yeah. and I remember feeling like just kind of like ah oh, like <laughs> you know and and that was um I think that was the next turning point for me where I was like you know what I think I'm going to give it a go as an, as an actor. I'm going to go and take this seriously. I'm going to go and study, find a course um, and go back to those acting routes. I think I want to be in front of the camera, not behind the camera. Yeah. I want to perform. And then I had this, I missed all the cutoffs. Like it was the end of the year. I missed all the cutoffs for um, the drama schools that I wanted to audition for. And I remember kind of feeling like, oh man, I like I can't afford to have another idle year just kind of bumming around, you know, like I'd I'd been kind of bumming around for three years or something now. Like all my peers were finishing their first degrees, like, you know, some of them were like, you know, now in relationships and engaged and like, you know, I was kind of freaking out. And and I definitely felt as well at that point in my life, like I'm not in the same train as everybody else. And mm. I, I don't know how I feel about this. This is exciting, but it's, it's, it's unrelatable, you know, in lots. That's I, I, I'm sure there are a lot of creatives that are listening that 
are, are starting to connect with that because I think that's where um, the point of difference is, you know, when you're so attuned with your, your creativity versus, you know, those who pursue just the conventional, traditional kind of jobs. And what what's interesting to me is that 18-year-old Sophie who, you know, found herself travelling Malta, just happenstance, stood up uh, to put her name down for, you know, a, a role on a, this massive blockbuster film, wasn't afraid <laughs> and wasn't freaking out. And yet when you came back and started to see that your peers were doing, you know, what's considered more than normal kind of things, that's when you start to doubt yourself. Isn't that so amazing that you, you have all this courage that's within you, but then when you start to compare your life, that's when the yeah. doubt creeps in. Yeah, it um that's very true and I I wonder if sometimes that's why I or part of the reason why I went overseas so that I could just like be anonymous in my <laughs> existence, you know, like mm. I didn't you know, I was just kind of like a a rolling stone that was just, you know, out there, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, and there wasn't people to compare myself to. There wasn't that kind of noise or something or, yeah. you know, like the, I could put the blinkers on a bit more. I don't mm. know. And that could be a good strategy, I suppose, just learning to, you know, just focus in on your life because I think that's where a lot of us stumble is once we start comparing ourselves uh, allow the noise to creep in that's when you know we we start to have again those you know imposter syndrome and self-doubt or self-pity those kind of things so I sure. guess yeah please take us through more of those emotions you were going through when you moved back to Melbourne and and how you navigated them it did feel apparent that I was doing things differently and and I felt at times you know even talking about like gladiator you know like that maybe people thought that I was making it up, you know, oh. that it that it was just a bit like, oh, yeah, okay, uh-huh, you, all right. Wow. You know, like I really, I felt shy about it. Like I should stop with the big noting or stop with the, you know, whatever and just, I don't know, like get back into the program type mm. thing. Um, I, I definitely remember that time feeling you know, a bit out of place in the world and, and, you know, I'd gone off on this track and, and friends had been tracking here and, you know, and then people would say, oh, nothing's changed, but lots had changed, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't think I'd realised that I'd changed, but I was like, you've changed and, excuse me, these friendship circles have changed and things in my family have changed and, you know, like, Life is always changing, right? Um, I, I eventually got into um, acting school the next year. I was just going to say because this is something just that I think served me really well. I, I had this idle year, right, before I could audition for the for the acting colleges. Mm. And my mum, I think speaking from a little bit of experience having been an actor, said if you kind of want to do this thing, you know, it's not going to be easy and these are kind of the stats, like this is the reality of what it's going to be like. So it might be really wise if you picked up some kind of skill or trade 
that you could do alongside being a creative. So in that year, I went and studied massage therapy, which was honestly one of the greatest things. Um, I'd always had an interest in kind of alternative healing and I felt like that was another extension of like some kind of art form and connection and I really enjoyed it and that for the last 16 or 17 years has been one of my side hustles and has worked very well for me as an actor. I've been able to travel with it. I've earned quite good money doing it, particularly in a city like LA where people love all that, you know, Mm. um, pampering and self-help and health and often have a, um, you know, cash to splash. Um, So I, so I did that year of massage training and then kind of was, during acting school, developing, you know, um, that on the side, a little bit of a client base and whatever. But I went to drama school and talking about, you know, just uh, uh, being a creative and the emotions and the things that you experience, I realised that acting school for me, I did three years of um, near on kind of full-time training And a lot of it, I think I felt quite torturous. Mm. And I think a part of that was, was because I was so hypercritical of myself. Mm. I was so uh, conscious of like getting it right, Mm. of being liked, of being the best, of, um, oh, not making a fool of myself, um, you know, knowing knowing exactly who I was. I think I really struggled with that. I think I felt like I needed to be some kind of cinephile that knew all the directors and knew all the movies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. knew all the things and I didn't. Like I just like I wasn't acting because I, you know, was like a movie buff that was sitting at home having marathons, I was acting because it was fun and made me feel good. And, you know, I saw other people doing it and they were having fun and that made me feel good, you know. Um, But it, it, it was a, it was a kind of torturous three years <laughs> and, and, and it was, it was competitive. The school was competitive. Mm. They culled at the end of every year. So there was kind of this, like, I felt like I was in a race to get to the next year. And then I felt like it was a race to be like the first person out that was booking a job and was being validated by the industry. Mm. And there, there was a lot of that that really weighed heavy on my mind and became quite um inhibiting you know like it it um it really stopped me from being able to like have the beautiful magical moments like I described as a kid being in that room and that imagination exercise where I was just fully committed and not having a voice like going hey you're doing it wrong Uh, what are Mm. they doing what what's that face she just made she doesn't like you know what whatever it is I, I definitely felt that kind of, yeah, competitiveness and, and pressure as well because I was a cinema major at uni and, you know, I you know, often held shame about liking mainstream movies, 
you know, every time, you know, in right. <laughs> in our classroom, yes. you know, what's your favorite film? I'd have to quickly think of something oh, you like. that, you know, would, would make me seem as if I was, as you said, a cinephile or a little bit, you know, you know, more elite. He was a, a bit more elitist, you know, in, in yes. terms of my taste. And so I'm here saying, you know, I love um, Amelie <laughs> as a film when yep. I really just love, I don't know, Grease the musical or whatever it, it, it was. So I totally hear what I'm you're so saying. Yeah. And I, I think um, that we're sometimes our own enemies, like within the creative or creatives and uh, creators peer on peer, we kind of, you know, make those judgments on each other when, as you said, it should be like childhood where you are free to explore and to play and imagine whatever lights you up as you said. So I think that's an important yeah. thing to note. Isn't that, that's so interesting because I felt the exactly what you said, like that, you know, the mainstream or the silly kind of, yeah, film in my mind that I was classifying, I'm like, I can't say that, that seems dumb. Uh, or even like, I don't know who they're talking about. I don't know who that director is. I don't know who that Australian mm. playwright is and as I've gotten older and it's definitely something that I'm really still trying to develop being okay to say I'm sorry I have no idea who you're talking about and and then even when someone says what like how do you not know they won the literary prize and it's like I don't know dude I've been overseas or I don't know I've been out in my garden planting tomatoes like I'm sorry I missed it like, bring exactly. me up to speed and I think it's it's all you know I think it's the ability to be as authentic as you can and that's the challenge I find that as we get older it's it's harder to do because we are um, again susceptible to measuring ourselves against other people when I'm thinking back to what you said before about being 18 in another country and just standing up and saying I'm from Australia, I need a job. How do you think you were able to to muster that courage back then? And what do you think, you know, changed as you, you got older and started to have, you know, more experiences pursuing the actual career as an actor? I mean, I think, I think there was a definite naivety there. Mm. Um, you know, I think as you get older that you know other stuff kind of kicks in you know the fear kicks in more um or just the kind of it's not your place to say that or I'd I I don't I I don't really know I wish I could kind of bottle whatever that was (laughs) in that moment I mean I think it was part survival as well I was traveling and I was Mm. running out of money and Mm-hmm. excuse me and I had nothing to lose yeah. um in a way yeah. I think there's something that I mean I think I have a certain boldness that you know has has wavered throughout my mm. life you know with mm. at times when I've felt more confident and, and less confident yes and I definitely had a you know, a huge period where that confidence felt, I felt like I lost it. And, and that was a lot, um, you know, around drama school and coming out of drama school in my twenties, I actually felt quite depressed and, and my self-esteem felt really low. Um, but I, I mean, 
I, I don't know. I I just I think yeah. What you, I think what you said about survival is a is a key insight because I find that you know a lot of people who are at that point where they're rock bottom or there's there's like an urgency that there's no choice but to act on it because there's nothing else you know and I sometimes feel that when we are privileged in some way when we are comfortable it's easier to make the choice not to act huh you know it's easier not to because there's no what's the point of the risk because you're going to risk your your comfort or whatever it is or your current state of things whereas you you're right back then you you needed the money there was something that that was inside you that's like I have to do this for my own livelihood's sake so I think that's an interesting point and um the idea of um self-esteem and confidence wavering I feel like that's that's human nature you know I definitely um yeah. have gone through that uh across different seasons of my life so perhaps it means that you know courage isn't something that is constantly or sustainable long term all the time that we're going to have bursts of it <laughs> we're going to have you know yeah. different shades of it depending on where we are in life so take me through more um those yeah, that season of feeling depressed and I suppose lost in terms of your um, career pathway and your um, aspirations as a young person, because I think that's something that we also overlook in conversation. You know, we talk a lot about um, success, especially as creatives, you know, it's one of the things that I guess it's part of the ego, you know, you always present yourself at, with all of these wonderful achievements that you've had, um, whether it's films that you've, you know, worked on or awards and whatnot but what about the failures like how do we navigate um that because I think failure is inevitable (laughs) it's on the way journey to success so if you're willing to share I'd love to hear more about that period in your life yeah I mean it was I feel like it was a long period I feel like it was almost a decade um of just trying to work out who I was and feeling really, really unsure what my voice was, how I should be, who I should be, how I like down to how I should talk, how I should present in the world, what I should share, what I shouldn't. I was just so self-conscious with, which seems so, I mean, it's, it's so um, against being a performer you know, and, and, and so the the struggle was real, you know, and I mean, there was other stuff going on in my life at the time, um, in that, uh, my dad, who I hadn't grown up with, I decided I wanted to meet at 21. So I started navigating a a new kind of relationship with this man who was my father um, and also um, connecting with half siblings. So there was lots of stuff there. Um, I think trying to work out where I fit into this Melbourne and where friends were at. And it was just a really hard time. Um, And I think trying to develop my creative voice I had all these ideas and kind of aspirations and 
I didn't know where to put them. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know who to call on. I didn't get an agent out of drama school that felt like a real failure. And, you know, I think there were eight of us that graduated and maybe half of the people got agents and half of us didn't. And I was one of them. And I I think everything just felt really overwhelming. And I think as, as, as a creative, you know, and I think we touched on this when we first spoke on the phone, like it's, it's very hard to know, like, where do you, where do you start? Where, how do you, like, if you want to make a short film, like, oh, I've got this idea about a, a scene I'd love to shoot. How, how on God's earth do you do that? Like, that's mm. a, that's kind of a big production or it can feel like a big production. Yeah. And then if you're, if you're struggling with feeling confident about it, then it's very easy to kind of backpedal and talk yourself out of it and like, oh, it's a stupid idea and no one would want to yes. do it and I, I don't have the money to do it and whatever. When there's actually, it's like with everything, you've just you've just got to take a step and that's what I realised that throughout my entire life, you know, and pursuing this kind of acting career for the last 17-odd years and things, I haven't had, you know, the the huge, huge accolades. I haven't been able to say to people over the course of all the years when people ask me all the time, oh, you're an actor. Oh, well, what, what have I seen you in or what have you been mm. in? And I'm not able to say, oh, this big film or this big TV series because I haven't had those opportunities. I have had hundreds of other opportunities and um, have had some great success and whatever. But in each of those moments, I have really struggled to know how to answer that because mm-hmm. I feel like a bit of a failure or that, that I don't have the mm-hmm. answer that people want to say and that yes. people don't want to stand there and listen to me for five minutes, like justifying why I have not had success on that level. But all the other things that I have done and now when I reflect on it and like I look at some of my work, like I started an Instagram page of my some of my acting stuff and I look back at little snippets of my work or photographs from productions and I feel so proud and so joyful. Yeah. I'm like, look at all these things I did in all these places with all these amazing people, yeah. all these stories I got to tell, all these amazing characters. I loved playing that role, you know, all these mm, things. Mm. They have all kind of been these steps along the path of me discovering who I am as a person, what I love doing as an actor, you know, through that course, I discovered that I really love comedy, um, Mm. which is something that seems like once I kind of realized that I'm like, that makes such sense because I've been clowning since day (laughs) dot, you know, discovering the kinds of people I like talking to, working with, you know, and it's just, lots of the things I've done, I'm like, I'm not sure why I'm doing them or why I'm talking to this person or why I'm having this coffee with this person. or I'm emailing this person to say, uh, Hey, I'd like to be considered for your production or whatever, but they have all kind of just been necessary steps for me to go along the path of discovery mm-hmm. to build up confidence, to build up skill, to, uh, learn about the industry to 
yeah, learn about myself. Like it's really just going out there, putting myself out there as much as possible and exploring as many different avenues as possible. And, you know, I've done theater and I've done therapeutic theater and I've done immersive theater and I've done stills. I've done print work. I've done film. I've done TV. I've done comedy. I've done all these things. And through it, I have such a greater sense of, of what I want and I've, and, and it's created a really beautiful footing, but it, it's been a very unsteady and, and unsure journey. And, and a lot of the time, I don't know why I'm doing half the stuff I'm doing. And, and I've been hard on myself because I'm like, you should have a clearer path or, you know, what's my five year plan or, but I think for me as well, you can get so caught up in the carrot being dangled. I mean, particularly in a place like Hollywood and LA where like everyone's chasing the carrot, everyone's hustling. Mm. A lot of conversations are just being had because people want to know what you might be able to offer them in terms of opportunity. Um, And, you know, outside of that, there's a whole lot of life to be lived. There's a whole lot of experience to be had that isn't just the hustle. Um, And that, and that is to do with, uh, for me, you know, self-development and, um, you know, observing life um, so I can reflect that back in my life. Channeling my struggles and pain and heartaches and setbacks and joys and adventures and all of this into my work. Mm. Um, well, that's what being an artist is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much yeah. for being, you know, vulnerable you know, and, and transparent about your journey because, again, like I said, I feel like we don't talk about the process enough. And as you were alluding to then, learning to honour the process as you're discovering, as you're developing new skills, it actually helps you reframe what success means to you. Because that's something I'm feeling challenged by in this season because especially with how I suppose um, the entertainment industry has evolved, you know, it it has become very much about um, the the commercial things, whether it's profit or branding and marketing and all those things where the artistry and, and the reason why we choose to do these things gets lost because we're hesitating to honour the process because we're so fixated on the outcome, you know, is, am I going to be able to say to to other people, this is the movie that I did. It's almost like people expect tangible outcomes because that's what non-creative people, that that's how it makes sense to them. You know, if you're an Mm. actor, well, what have I seen you in? That that's the only, that's the only way they can access what being an actor is. It's the only way they understand it. Whereas for you, it's such a deeper thing, right? It's a spiritual experience. It's that that joy, that love that comes from performing. So, you know, I, I really would love if more creatives like you're doing right now would be more open about the process, you know, shine a yeah. light on, you know, what actually goes on as someone pursuing an acting career. And, and I think, you know, by what you've, you've shared with me so far is you have achieved success, you know, the, this, oh, this, 
wonderful life and all of the experiences and all of the inner work that you've done through pursuing your creativity is success. Yeah. Whether or not, you know, people kind of see it through that very narrow lens of all of the accolades and and all that kind of things. I really loved hearing um, that there was that struggle, but then you've owned it. I think honoring the struggle is a a part of it. (laughs) Absolutely. So you, um, I think you've already touched on a few things, you know, in terms of you just going out there and exploring, you know, uh, different uh, aspects of creativity and learn, you know, trying to skill up and, you know, get an education and all that. But is there anything um, else that you think uh, can help, you know, a young creative who's going through some of these doubts and, you know, lack of uh, confidence? Any practical um, uh, lessons or uh, strategies that they could take on board to kind of just keep going on this path? Because I I think there's so much general inspiration out there. You follow your dreams, follow your heart and that kind of thing. But if we get down to the specifics, what are some tangible practical tools or ideas could you share? One of the main things is is you you just have to kind of go into the gym of whatever your creativity is. So you have to put in the work. I realise at the times where I have felt the most sure, the most confident, um, where auditions or work has been generated is where I am really putting in the work, where I'm going into the gym, you know, of acting every day and, and flexing the muscle. I'm in class, I'm at home doing the, um, you know, the work, I'm applying for auditions, I'm um, trying to look at film festivals or things where, where I'm going out to indie stuff and um, seeing some indie filmmakers that I like and then contacting them and sending out my reel or being as kind of proactive as I can and casting the net, you know, in lots of different avenues to see kind of what sticks. But I think, yeah, you've got to, you've got to put in the work. Um, I think you've got to be prepared that, uh, you will highly likely have to work another job alongside being a creative um, and that that's not anything to be ashamed of or that doesn't mean anything. For me, a lot of the time in my creative career, I couldn't, I couldn't not, not do that. I didn't have the, the, you know, the, the funds to keep me going overseas. And I think, you know, that's fine. Um, I actually wanted to, uh, yeah, um, I focus on that part a little bit because I think, like you said, that there is shame sometimes of having to work that second job that may not be related to your creativity um, because we're always, I suppose, there's that judgment that if we if we have to take something else on that perhaps we're giving up on our dreams. Creativity, I believe, is an undercurrent to, to in all careers, in all kinds of industries, if we just look at it in a certain way. So uh, you've come to this point now where it's you, Sophie, as the act, actor and creative soul, it, it's shaped you as a business owner, <laughs> as an entrepreneur. Yeah. 
For sure. And I just wanted to say, going back to some practical things like the, that creatives can do is making the work is is really important. You know, um, whether you're a, a singer or a writer or an actor, you know, just trying to create. And, and I feel like it's really cliche because it's something I've been told my whole career, like just go out there and like make stuff. And it, I know like particularly in filmmaking, it's, it's not that easy, but, and again, this feels cliche, but it kind of is like, you can just shoot something on your phone and even, you know, like for the actors out there, I just, for these last couple of years where I haven't been acting so much, I've been focused on this plant business um, you know, we're in lockdown for 18 months of the last whatever, and I haven't had the opportunities to act in the same way that I have done previously. I just wrote myself a scene where I played identical twin sisters, <laughs> really because I just wanted to make something mm. and and be able to act. And it was such a – it was a reasonably simple process. Um, I was lucky to have a friend that had a camera and could help me with some editing, but you could also um, just as easily have shot that on a phone and just mm. for the sheer fact of, of doing it, going through the process and mm. then looking at it back and going, okay, well, I feel pretty good about this or no, nah, this is not, so it's, I suppose it all ties into, you know, flexing that muscle yes. and, and just building confidence up in um, your work yes. and, and getting a sense of like what you like about your work, what you don't like about your work. And also, I mean, I think this is something that I've struggled with is that like I kind of wanted to be perfect off the bat. And, you know, like I couldn't believe like looking back at some of the work I've done, I'm like, oh, my God, it's so bad. <laughs> like, I, like I've been in drama school for three years. How am I like, what, <laughs> what am I doing with my face, you know? Um, but kind of accepting that, <laughs> that there are going to be cringy lyrics or cringy things you do or whatever yes. and – and just kind of being okay with being imperfect mm. and allowing yourself to like go, okay, well, next time I'll do it differently. And yeah, you know, my mum might be watching this going, <laughs> um, accepting yeah. that, you know, that that you're not always going to be perfect and that it's, you know, and, and that's one of the things I even now, like when I watch, huge films and productions, you know, and I'm sure we all do it and we critique it and we go, oh, my God, you know, that big Hollywood star and what's going on with their accent? So it's like, you know, even the masters. Yes, yes. You know, and that and, and that's in, you know, in nature and life. Like it's mm. things are not perfect, but, man, I tell you what, I've gotten fixated in my head sometimes about needing to, you know, to be just right and I think through putting myself out there and kind of having those knockbacks or looking at work and feeling cringy and and then kind of you know feeling knocked down and dusting yourself off again and then getting back up and like going all right we're going to go another round and you know like it's not the end of the earth mm -hmm. and and 
I always think about, you know, the things like, will it matter in five minutes? Will it matter in five hours? Will it matter in, you know, five days, five years? Um, people are not that focused on what you're doing anyway. They don't really care that much. You know, like people are not going to be remembering this or talking about it. You know, yeah. in a way you're not that important. <laughs> you know, like it's not that serious. And that last bit of advice is so helpful because you, learning to, I, I suppose, tap into the mindset of it's okay. It's okay if people don't appreciate what I do. They're not going to remember. They're, they're so focused on their own lives and what they're doing. So yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, those mindset shifts I think are powerful as well and, and are, are, are good practical tips for creatives. Um, being prepared for the rejection, being prepared for the failure, embracing it and welcoming it with open arms. I think that, you know, that's, that's what courage is as well. The things that you love or that feel good might not be the things that other people love or make them feel good. So somehow just mm. listening to your gut and owning who you are, you know, like I think that's something that I, again, has, it's been a very long journey of trying to like love my freak flag, yeah. you know, <laughs> being a bit different, you know, yes. and like going, you know what, that's cool. I actually, I actually think that sounds good. You know, yes. like I, I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm cool to put that out into the world, but also the world now is like with social media and everything. There's a lot of anxiety, I think, even with just sharing photographs or captions or things mm. that you we want to be perceived as just right yeah and it's a great exercise in in putting stuff out there and like going yeah mm. it's not just right um and letting that fly and being okay with not being perfect but also knowing when you feel really good about something and really solid in something and drilling down into that in your work as as an artist and and knowing when you've kind of done enough mm. and I think that comes with just really paying attention as you said that um gut instinct you know um leading with that and focusing on on what lights you up. I think I really, you know, um, loved it when you said that, because as we get older, we tend to put what lights us up on the back burner because we get sucked into other people's agendas and their opinions and judgments and whatnot that we, we lose sight of what lights us up. So perhaps it is going back to that sort of naivete, as you mentioned, you know, being 18 again and not worrying so much about what people think and just doing and just falling in love with the creative process. Cause I think there's a lot of learning and growing that happens through the creative process, which you've expressed. So, yeah. So thank you for those, those, um, those tips and ideas. Um, I suppose as we sort of, you know, uh, head towards the end of our chat, I want to hit you with that big question <laughs> that I have prepped you for. Yeah. Um, but how do you Sophie define courage? What does courage look like to you? I feel like we're on an Oprah episode. That's great. <laughs> this is your life. This is your life. Um, uh, 
how do I define courage? I mean, I think the the first thing that I think of is feeling the fear and doing it anyway, taking the the leap, putting yourself out there, um, knowing that once you get past the uncomfortable or the the fear that the the reward and the payoff, whether that is success or otherwise uh is enormously beneficial in fact it's essential for for happiness for growth for mental health uh for not living in regret another follow-up question to that is because courage i believe you know um is an important ingredient uh, one of the most important in terms of, you know, achieving your goals and, and, and success in the way that you view it. But it also needs to have complementary um, skills and, and traits with it. I, I love a metaphor. <laughs> so if we think yeah. of if courage as being kind of your main course, so you're having yep. a plate of courage, what do you think is a nice complementary side dish to courage or, you know, could be a beverage <laughs> that you believe pairs well. So um, whether it's a virtue, a trait, a habit or a mindset or skill, what pairs well with the virtue of courage? <laughs> uh, curiosity, um, a, a trust or an understanding in yourself that if you fall flat on your face, you'll be able to pick yourself up, mm -hmm. that you'll be able to get through it. I love it. Sounds like a very well-balanced meal to me. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, Sophie? Any other, you know, final words of wisdom? Exploring a creative path is, is amazing. Uh, I just encourage anyone listening um, that if you have, uh, you know, I, again, I think this is something we spoke about initially, but I, I do believe as well that everybody is creative and everybody kind of has um you are experiencing creativity in in every day in different ways that we don't even recognize but i think um you know i've i've really enjoyed uh my creative life and all the branches of of exploring my creativity and i look forward to to doing that you know, much more in, in the future as well. Um, and I think if, if you have a certain inkling or feeling that you might want to pursue some creative path, you know, even if that's darning socks and selling them on Etsy, um, mm. you, you know, you should go for it. I'm seeing now, uh, some, peers in later life that have lived more um, traditional courses and had more kind of maybe corporate jobs or whatever, feeling now that they can kind of, they can explore these other avenues or that they'd like to maybe explore script writing a bit more or maybe there's a confidence or there's a security now that they have some money or they have some assets or things but I just, you know, I think at, at whatever age you can um, you can switch paths, you can switch gears, you can start that career. I think, you know, now with 
acting as well. I think, you know, the world has changed a bit and I think, you know, ageism is a a bit of a different meal, but it's still, you know, like it's it still favours the young. Um, but I just think about there's this Italian woman who I think is like 80 and and she became a DJ, you know, at like 78 or something and has become like quite a big DJ and plays like big festivals. And in my mind, like she is who I want to be, you know. I'm like maybe I'll become a DJ at 78, <laughs> you know, like anything's possible. Um, it definitely helps to surround yourself with supportive people or you know, that's one of the things that I think is really important, like a, a mentor or like people that champion you and people that um, believe in you and um, can give you, you know, solid feedback, whether that's constructive criticism or otherwise um, is is really important. And I definitely feel so grateful that I've had that particularly, you know, with my grandma and my mum. My mum's also been a, a pretty harsh critic at times. Sorry, mum, if you're listening, but, you know, in a way that I think has been necessary, you know, like sometimes people do have to kind of break it down for you, but I think there's also something that tests your gut and your instincts as well when that happens and you're like, yeah, you know, and, and I think that comes with maturity in life where you're like, well, that's an interesting opinion, but, you know, I don't know. And that's all a part of the journey of understanding who you are and who your mm. voice is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I feel very grateful to be sitting here where I am and to have had the experiences that I have had and, and to have this opportunity to reflect and, um you know, you asked about LA before and I, I don't think I kind of got onto that, but you know, the, the LA dream was um, an amazing chapter. I had almost 10 years there of living in this incredible city and in kind of, you know, one of the biggest entertainment industries in the world and, and experiencing all of that. And, and, a lot of it has just been really just taking the the leap of faith and kind of hoping that I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, and even now, uh, you know, and, and going back, I think you said, how was that first day in LA? I mean, I remember being on the plane and looking down at the glimmering, sparkling waters of the coastline and thinking, oh my God, I'm here. And um, someone I knew was picking me up from the airport and I was staying with them and it was just like, it was, it was so exciting. And I remember it was um, like February or March and it was like 85 degrees Fahrenheit. It was, you know, summer was already here and it was just, I was, I was in LA. Like, it was like, I'm here. I've, I've got my visa. I'm living the dream, you know, and, and that dream was a roller coaster ride, um, you know, in itself. And, I feel so proud that I made that happen and that I, you know, like there's part of me that even now I'm like, how, what, how did I, I was there, I was in LA for almost a decade and I, I lived this life and now I'm here literally days or weeks away from having a baby, which is something that I've wished for for a long time. Um, I wasn't sure whether it was going to happen, if I was going to meet someone, you know, um, 
and you, you know by the by the grace of god or the the powers that be you know lots of wonderful things have happened but i'm sitting here now as well kind of thinking my god i don't know if i feel equipped for becoming a mother and having a baby like here we go again and this is the unknown you know and like who the voices are starting you know am i am i am i going to be all right you know can i handle this and and someone said to me the other day you know they kind of reminded me of times in my life you know um and they're like dude if you've done this you know like you're going to be fine uh and so i'm feeling the fear and uh you know preparing preparing for this next chapter and um you know and it's very exciting you know biggest production yet biggest biggest <laughs> role absolutely biggest fantastic. biggest and most important role that I sure I'm sure will bring many blessings to you and I I can't imagine how many more stories from your time in LA and just in your life in general that that you would have for us so we're going to have to get you back on the the podcast <laughs> to go through to go through them because it's been such a joy listening to all of your experiences because you have such a oh, thanks vivid, so much such vivid memories i feel like i i think i suffer from long-term memory loss or something because i definitely don't remember <laughs> things that vividly so thank you for sharing all of that with us um and I, oh, thanks for indulging me. <laughs> and I, I suppose I just want to um, take this time to acknowledge you, Sophie, and to to say thank you not only for um, being so open um, with your your life uh, on on the show, but for being such a, a warm and and kind, creative spirit to be able to to reconnect with. Oh, that's really nice. I I. I will always remember, and I know we had a, it was a brief time in our, you know, 17 years ago of when we first met, but I do remember you coming into the audition room, you know, some, you know, some little room in RMIT that, <laughs> that I booked for our auditions. And I, I remember your headshot so clearly that I printed out and just thinking to myself, oh, this, she, this woman is just exudes confidence. There's just something about her that just is so um, uh. friendly and vibrant, and she's just so confident. And I and I felt that you know you'd be a great um, asset to to the cast and to to our little our little film. And and I also remember while I haven't watched our short film um, for many years now, but I do remember you being sort of the comic relief character um on Perfect. on the film which just makes sense now when you think about it you just had you know I think we gave you some of the the funny lines but you were the the friend that that you know we we went to for the to bring the humor out in um was it was a drama but <laughs> you were there to offer that that bit of light so I think that definitely just you know encapsulates <laughs> the person that you are oh, that's um, so, so so thank you for being such a, a great example of um, what it means to live a courageous and creative life um you know across your um acting career and now in through your entrepreneurship um it's so inspiring and i do hope that everyone listening uh can can feel encouraged by you know just being just daring to create daring to make and 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 um you know live a life that's that's enriched with with um imagination and play so thank you sophie um so where where can people connect with you you know is there anywhere online that you'd like us to direct people to to follow your work yeah uh thank you so much ira i i it's it's very nice to be 
seen through the things that you've just said. That's fair. I'll stick that in my pipe and smoke it, so <laughs> to speak. Um, yes, uh, Instagram. Um, it's uh, I've, I've got an acting account that um, has got some of my work and and uh, some things that I've kind of made recently. I love a bit of sketch comedy, so that's what I've been doing. Um, you know, from my bedroom in a way. Um, it's uh, just Instagram.com forward slash Sophie Brabenek, S-O-P-H-I-E-B-R-A-B-E-N-E-C. And then um, some of those uh, clips and, and some of my work can be found on um, Vimeo and YouTube as well under that name. Um, so, yeah, I'd be chuffed if anyone went and, went and had a look or wants to connect or if you need some advice or whatever um yeah I, I'd be I'd be stoked to to help fantastic and we'll make sure to um link those down in our show notes as well so Sophie Brabenek it's been a pleasure <laughs>